evening, good evening, good evening. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, but I have to be honest with you, little nerve-wracking. You know who's in the house. I don't know, there's something about mom. You know, when I used to get in trouble at home, I would just beg mom to whip me before dad got home, knowing that it would be twice as bad. And she would say, honey, now listen, I had been told day after day after day after day to stop doing handstands in the living room, okay? We had this um, very um, Asian-style coffee table with this, like, wicker stuff underneath it with this glass top that dad knew I was going to break that we had just purchased with our income tax money that we had gotten back. And sure enough, one night when he was gone, I did a handstand and crash into the table. And I just begged mom, please whip me. Please whip me before dad gets home because I know it's going to be bad. She said, honey, you get in that room right now and you get on all those pants you got. I don't want to hear one whimper from you. You get back out here. And she whipped me with all her might. She whipped it up. And by the time Dad got home, the whipping was over and it was on. Amen. Hallelujah. She said, now, Peter, don't get upset. I already took care of it. I beat that child. I let her know. Yeah, she beat me with the love of Jesus. She didn't hurt me that bad. I just knew hers was better than Dad's. That's all. Anyways, we're going to pray before we get started tonight. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And God, I ask you, Lord... God, that you would anoint my words tonight. Father, that they would leave my lips and pierce the heart of every man, woman, and child present in this sanctuary tonight. Father, that it would set a fire. God, that it would set a new passion, a drive, a zeal. Father, and that it would bring forth change as a seed in the dirt. Father, that it would begin to grow in the heart of man and change their life forever in the name of Jesus. All right. So tonight... I don't want to apologize for my topic in advance, but you'll know what I mean once we get started. So today's topic is go ye. Go ye. It's not a secret that in our church, our core values are, number one, we live by faith. Number two, we have value in relationships. We value brothers and sisters in the Lord. We value our family members. We don't get offended. We step over things that should bother us for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. And it's not a secret that because we live by faith and because we value relationships, we use that to rescue others. That it's not just good enough that we come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and this gospel is just for us, but it's for the world. Amen? So what is important is that tonight I want to remind you that what moves the Lord's heart must also move ours. If we're truly going to live by faith, if we're truly going to become Christians and followers of Christ, then what moves Jesus moves you. Oh, uh uh-huh. Say amen a little louder. Let me... Andrew, I want that video facing this way because I want to see everyone that said amen right now. Because come the end of the night, you might not be saying amen. Jesus loves and cares and values people. Therefore, we cannot help ourselves from rescuing those around us. And this needs to be done by sharing the gospel and the hope 
of Jesus that you and I have received. Amen? You see where I'm going. Now, I'm just going to be real. The problem with today's church, not our church, everyone else's church, we're the perfect body, right? We're the perfect body, is, is, is that we're reading the Bible as a suggestion. See, the Bible is not a suggestion. It's not the ten suggestions that he went to the mount to get that were carved into stone. It was the Ten Commandments. Amen? They're not mere suggestions that are meant to guide us in life. They're commandments. And the Bible is necessary for you and I to survive this life, get through to the next one without living in sin, which equals death, which equals hell, which equals an eternity separated from Christ. Am I right? So we agree that in case no one's told you, I'm going to make you aware that the Bible is not a suggestion. It's a command. All right. So can, can I just be real? Am I going to be allowed to preach tonight or am I going to have to worry about offending somebody? I don't see everybody in the back. Am I going to be able to preach tonight and tell you the truth? Or do you want me to candy coat it and put some sugar on top? Chris, all the way back there. Wait, can I preach? All right. No candy coating. I like it. All right. So I'm going to have to say some things tonight that might hurt and sting just a little bit. But it's for your own good. And I'm telling you that if the body of Christ doesn't identify that it's not a suggestion and that it's a command that we're meant to do what he's told us to do. Last time I checked, when I told my child to do something, I expected it to be done. Not five minutes, not 10 minutes, not 30 minutes later. I expect it to be done. I expect it to be done right, and I expect it to be done in order. Amen? All right. So tonight I want to take the time to remind us about the Great Commission. Not the Great Suggestion. The Great Commission. This is real simple. For those of you that maybe have never heard the Great Commission, it's go, baptize, and teach. In simple, go, baptize, and teach. Here's the problem. When the church begins to look at the words of Christ as a mere suggestion, then evangelism in the body of Christ begins to cease. We don't go out and spread the gospel. See, in the whole body, because remember, what David does affects me. What Trish does affects me. So my fingers can't be doing something without my arm facilitating my fingers to do it. Does, I'm sorry, has anyone seen fingers or toes walking around by themselves? I haven't seen that lately. No, maybe Dr. O has after they've been cut off or something, but I'm not aware of this situation. And if so, it's not very long because it can't live if it's disconnected from the body. So what all of us do affects one another. It's the whole body. So when we see it as a suggestion and we're not all participating... What happens is there's no going, 
There's no baptism and there's no teaching outside the local church. Now keep in mind, I'm not talking about evangelism in the church. I'm not talking about evangelism on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and all the prayer meetings in between. I'm talking about evangelism to the world, to the lost. How many of you in here are saved tonight? So you were once lost, but now you're found. So once you get found, are you just done? No, we got to go find others. See, we have to share what we do. So therefore, if we don't go, if we don't baptize, if we don't teach, then there is no kingdom growth. There's no multiplying of the saints. There's no multiplying of churches. Dad, how many churches close their doors every day? Every month, about 4,000. 4,000 churches close their doors every month. Do you think we have a problem? Now, I'd like to say that we could reflect on the fivefold ministry and say that this is the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, and the preacher, and the prophet's problem. But unfortunately, that's not the case. This is where it's going to get a little hurtful tonight because I'm here to remind you that you are a sheep. Sheep beget sheep. The pastor is here to equip the sheep to go out and save some more sheep. You see? So when we get that out of kelter, when we get that out of balance, the entire body of Christ suffers. Is Only Believe Ministry shutting its door in a month? No. But do we care that 4,000 churches across America shut their doors last month? Yes, I care. I don't want the church to shrink. I want the church to multiply. The goal is, right, be saved and take as many with you as you can. So let me set this up for you tonight. Jesus goes to the cross, dies for all of mankind. They lay him in a tomb. He defies death. God raises him from the dead right after three days. And then Jesus goes and shows himself to certain men and women. And he displays miracles, signs and wonders before he leaves earth to go sit at the right hand of God. This is in Romans, the eighth chapter. You can go read it. I'm not making this story up. This is for real. This really happened. And when he goes there to make intercession for you and I, but he has a few last words. Now, I don't think I need to really explain this, but just for theatrical sake, I'm going to explain it. We've all seen a movie where there's the last guy dying. And he's trying to mutter who killed him in his last words so that the detective can go find it, right? And he's listening like this, and the guy's laying on the ground. Jesus didn't whisper these last words. He wasn't dying. He had been dead, been resurrected, and came back to tell you what was important before he left. And there was something he didn't want you to forget. I would think that his last words were the most important that he spoke. 
Let's read them together. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now, I want to remind you, for those of you that don't know, there are four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four people with different writings of how they perceived what took place. So you can find this caption in multiple ways. Um, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Does that mean you're supposed to be preaching to the rabbits? No. Although I have found myself at Froke Park preaching to the animals before practicing a message because I didn't know where else to practice. And my kids were done. So, but you'll hear these different, different perceptions. All of us here tonight have a different perception of what's being said tonight. So did the four Gospels. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, red letters, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, this word means travel, depart, journey, or walk, and teach all nations. This word means a company of individuals with the same nature, a tribe, a nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe or attend to all things whosoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Now, why these words? Why, what made these words so important? Because God so loved the world. Oh, wait, no, no. For God so loved the disciples that he came and, okay, okay, let me rephrase that. For God so loved the disciples and OBM members. For God so loved the disciples and everybody who's been saved since then till now. For God so loved the what? That he gave his only begotten son. How many of you in here know someone who's not saved? That's the world. Listen. Why is because 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I'm going to focus on 4, says that will that all men, all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. It's not good enough that David's sitting in the seat. It's not good enough that Bob and Carol are sitting here saved. I'm thankful that you are. But we have to go out and get more. How many apocalyptic shows have you seen where they they don't want to save anybody else but themselves? They're so busy rationing their own food because zombies are coming in to get their food and they're going to kill them and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We are not zombies. We are not people hiding in a cave until Christ comes back. We're to go out and collect as many as we can. It doesn't matter how much food they eat. It doesn't matter how much of our time they take. It doesn't matter how many resources they eat. God will provide you more. God will give you what you need in order to do it. God didn't ask you to go if he hadn't already made provision for you going. But again, we're seeing it as a suggestion. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, either 
you're getting what I'm throwing down or you're ready to throw me down. And I'm not sure what this, the, the situation is here. But there comes a point in time that it's a pastor's job to watch over the souls of his sheep. Pastors ask me tonight and put me in this place to watch over your souls. And I'm telling you that in James 4.17 it says, For him to knoweth to do good. And doeth it not, it is a sin. So after tonight, everyone get your pencil out and write down. On 724, Nicole told me that if I didn't go to the world, that was a commandment from the Lord given that I was going to be walking in sin. You said I could preach, Chris, all the way back at the back. Can I still preach? Yep, arm's still up. Write it down. Because as of tonight... Now you know. Oh, Nicole, you've you got to be nice. See, I am being nice, but I love you so much that I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Can I get real, real here? Yeah. We were asked to do church in our community in Shelby County. Show up at 8.30 in the morning here at the church, get in a van and go pass out door hangers. You don't have to witness one-on-one. You're simply hanging a door hanger that says you're invited to spread hope. Pray as you go to the door and hang it on. God, I ask you, Lord, that somehow these people would find hope. Your feet, your time, we provide the hangers. Do you want to know how many signatures I had as of yesterday? in lieu of our staff, which I didn't count because I just expect them to be there. This is a heart problem in the church today. And I'm going to tell you that if that had been you going to the farmer's market on Saturday because you needed a cucumber, you'd have went. If that had been you needing contact solution at Walmart, you'd have been present. But there's people out there that can't see. They can't see. They're blinded by sin and deceit and by the lust of this world. Yet our heart wasn't moved. What's wrong with that picture? Listen, I am passionate about the things of Christ. And I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. If you try this on your own, you will fail. Carve out a time. I'm going street witnessing every single day, this time, this place. Listen, you'll fail. Because anything in your own strength, failing in my own strength, you came to my rescue. Amen. Amen. This is in him that we have to find what the problem is. This is in him that we have to rely on. But I'm telling you, this is a heart check for the church. When your heart beats for yourself, and not for the one that's broken, and not for the one that's addicted, and not for the one that's lost and can't find their way back to Christ, that's a problem. That's a problem. See, there's these dangerous thoughts that go through the church when you talk about the Great Commission. Three verses at the end of a chapter. Jesus' last words. Well, I'm not a disciple. 
He didn't tell me that. I wasn't one of the chosen 12. Well, let me tell you the definition of a disciple. A learner of Christ. Are you here learning? Yes. Ooh. Well, maybe there's another way out. Um, let's see. Um, oh, a follower of Christ. Are you following his precepts? Then you're a disciple. So take that one off your list. That one you can't use. You're not allowed to use that one anymore. Amen. See, there's a call. Here's the problem. The fact that you're here tonight tells me you are a disciple. But this is what Jesus said to Peter, who was his disciple. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He had fished his whole life as a true fisherman, catching real fish, and probably had a very frugal business, very fruitful, as well as being frugal in his business. But he said, I'm going to change the outlook of the way you've done this, and you're not going to fish for real fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Why would that be important? Because that was the greatest command. This is in the beginning of everything. And he's telling, come on, come follow me. I will make you. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. <laughs> You're going to love this one. See, we're awful busy trying to make ourselves. The Bible is not a self-help. You can't read this and have a better yourself in 30 days. That's not what the Bible is. You see, it contains transforming Holy Ghost power that when it's read and applied comes alive. And Christ came to hang on a cross for you. And if you could have done it, he would have never came. It's in him. It's through him. It's by him that you can. Lincoln has a t-shirt. I can because he can. You're a rescuer because Jesus is a rescuer. You love others more than you love yourself because Jesus loved you more than he loved himself. You sign up for church community days because you care about your local community. Do you understand? I get life's busy. We're busy. We're busy. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. God says that he gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. Who wants, Jesus? Who wants God doing this? Then just say, I don't know how to rescue anybody. Help me. Help me. I'm afraid to rescue. I don't have time to rescue. Just say it. God, help me. Help me. How about this one? Well, Nicole, you, I don't speak real well to people. I kind of get caught up in my speech, and then I start stumbling over myself, and I act stupid. And <laughs> So did Moses. So did Moses. And you can go back to Exodus, the fourth chapter, and you can read where this is exactly what the Lord said to Moses. Go! Go! I will be with thy mouth. And teach you what to say. So the, oh, there goes that excuse. Can't take that one. 
Sorry, guys, I'm really trying to find you a way out. It just doesn't seem like there's any way out. God will help us. He made us. You think he don't know what eloquent is? You think he doesn't know that you're not smooth when you deliver the gospel? Maybe if we would, I hate to say this, go preach to every living creature in Throat Park about the gospel, you'd become eloquent. Sometimes you've got to apply yourself. Sometimes things don't come that easy. And when was the last time you just walked into a job and said, well, I ain't never done this, but okay, what do you want me to do? No, they put you through training. They put you through training. Dr. O, you went through years and years of college. Was your first surgery just absolutely perfect, just flowed up? And no, now you walk in there, you do your business, you go, okay, close up, I'm out. That's the way the, te- that's the, way the TV shows do it. I don't know if they do that like that. The doctor only gets to do the good work, and then all the nurses get a close up. I watch too much ER, I can tell you right now. How about the Great Commission is only for missionaries? Because I can't go to another nation. You know, Pastor Dosik and Pastor Philip, that's their commission. Five million souls, that's what they do. That's what they do. That's for missionaries and pastors and, and people who really do this for a living. No. No, yes, that's a part of the Great Commission. Yes, you and I should be a part of that because your feet might never touch African soil. And I understand that. There's ways to support. You can pray. You can fast three days before the crusade when dad is fasting and setting himself apart. You can give financially to a situation and say, God, for your glory, let there be souls one. Yes, that's a part of the Great Commission. But if you think, however... Huh, that exempts me from having to do it. You're wrong. That's not an exemption process. You don't get exempted because you throw money at something. You don't get exempted from helping others because you've got money to throw at it. Money doesn't buy a heart. Money, you can't give money to the church community outreach on Saturday and not show up to do something and say, well, I just gave money. That's my part. If that's the case, there's a problem in your heart. Listen, God's looking at this. What moves his heart? Does it move yours? The scripture doesn't say, send my pastor. The scripture doesn't say, send Philip Walker. The scripture doesn't say, well, I'm just going to send money to my local orphanage over there that I, I, I remember, and, and then, then I'll have done my part. I don't have to do anything, Lord, because, you know, I'm busy. I'm busy, so I'm, I'm going to support my way. This is what I can do. No, the scripture says, here I am. Send. Send me. Send me to Walmart to minister to the broken. Send me to my neighbor who hasn't come out of his house in four days because he's been sick. Send me to my boss at work who's just going through a divorce. Send me, Jesus. 
send me outside my front door instead of watching television. Send me instead of me sitting on Facebook for hours. Send me, Jesus, for your glory that all, all men will come to the knowledge and your truth. How about this one? It's hard, there's just too many, and I don't have enough time. You don't understand. I'm a mother of three. I work a full-time job, and then my husband comes home late, and we're just, we're tight on money, and I can't do it. Excuses, excuses, excuses. I'm being real. I'm being real. And every excuse that you give is out of your own worth. Moses made an excuse. The Lord became angry with Moses and his excuse of his mouth. He became angry. But yet he still supplied what Moses needed. And he gave him Aaron and said, I'll tell you what. Isn't that brother, is it a brother-in-law I think it was? Yeah, I'll let him talk for you. But I wish you would have walked in the power of my might. I wish you would have went when I told you and spoke and I would have helped you. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Listen, I have excuses. I have excuses for the gym. Pray for me. I have every excuse why not to go to the gym that you can imagine. Every excuse in the book. Just like we have excuses that we won't go minister the gospel. The truth, really, with your excuse is you saying that I'm too busy for the Lord's work. I'm too distracted by my own life to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. To go when he prompts me to do something that doesn't have to do with me. I'm rubber meeting the road here tonight. And remember, I had to swallow this message before I could spit it to you. It's hard. It's hard when God rebukes you because you don't have the heart that he has. And he needs it to change so that a world can be saved. He's already done it. All we have to do is share it. Share it. What's one of the first things when you were an infant that you had a hard time doing? Sharing. Listen, the same Holy Ghost that led Jesus is the same Holy Ghost that leads you and I. Same one. No different. It wasn't no better for him than it is for you. It's the same. It's the same. Your daily... Listen... This, when, when that Holy Spirit leads you, allowing him to lead you and interrupt your day, when was the last time you allowed the Holy Ghost to interrupt your day for what he wanted done? This is a tough one for me because I need to pencil the Holy Ghost in. Like, it, you know, from 8 to 5, I need to pencil him in somewhere because... I have a schedule that runs me. Does that make sense? So I have to mentally make an effort to say, Holy Spirit, take me where you want, knowing that he'll redirect everything else that I had scheduled that day. I'm telling you, 
You have to do it because your daily, your daily routine needs to be interrupted to pray, to share, to lay hands on someone, to love, to give hope to. Maybe it is give money to, but not give money to and walk away with no accountability and no commitment. Here, $10. That's not going to fix it, but I'm, I'm out. I'm out. That's all I got time for. God wants more than just your money. Some of us need to let some things go so we can let God tell us where to go. The word is go, right? Some of us need to really take an evaluation, an inventory list, if it were, of our life right now and say, what can I remove so that God has some room so that I can go? Maybe you just need to stop taking lunch in the lunch break room and go out to another location where there's some other meanderers walking around and you can witness to them outside of the lunch room. Maybe there's some of us... Huh, I could go back to the gym and witness to people there, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, I got off track. I was thinking the Lord was speaking. <laughs> Listen, God's not asking you to do this on your own. Marge, there's nothing God's ever asked you to do, be, or go do that he hasn't provided everything you needed to get there. Everything. When you had Allison, did you have everything you needed for her? Did you, did you worry about what she's going to wear when she's 18, where she's going to move, where she's going to live. Which, why? God took, care of it. God took care of it. And he's still taking care of it. And he's going to continue to take care of it. And there's never going to be a day that Marge's children are going to be left begging for bread. Never. Because that's not who God is. But here's the problem. It's real easy using our faith for what we want. Or even what we need. I'm not discounting those things. I'm saying those are real. I'm saying those are real identifiable things. But if 90% of your time is consumed with talking to God about the things you want and you need and not about the things he wants you to do and what he needs you to give for him, that's a problem. I believe the world could be changed if the church would truly, truly do what the word said. I believe our city, our city, why do we, not that going to Africa is incorrect, why do we think that the only nation that needs to be saved is every nation but ours? I don't know about you. I think America needs saved. I think you could step outside your door and do a little difference. I think you could say a prayer that would make a difference for someone in your neighborhood. There's not a day that goes by. When, when pastors started preaching months ago about using your faith for someone else, it started to churn in me. Because every day I drive out of my cul-de-sac and I drive by five houses that no longer know Jesus. It was four because of Ray and Annie. 
but they moved. Thank God. And it left me with them all. I said, thanks a lot. You just left me with all those. She said, well, I'm going to a place that needs Jesus too, so don't you worry. But she's got more than five. She lives on a whole street. Hallelujah. Now I drive out on my cul-de-sac and I start speaking. God, I thank you that I will find a way to minister the gospel to her. God, yet the other week I made cookies and took them to my neighbor, but guess what I did this time? I put a scripture on there. Amen. Uh-huh. I put a scripture. Why? Because I know they're going through something. I discern the struggle. I know there's a struggle. And I don't know what it is. I don't have to know what it is, but I know that my God is big enough to fix it. Amen. How many of you believe that Jesus is the cure for the world? then you got to share it. Then you got to share it. Have you not seen the Spider-Man movie where everyone's infected with this virus and Spider-Man has to get the, the, the antidote up to the top of this tower and shoot it out and everything turns blue and everybody gets well. There's a sickness in our world. There's a sickness in our world, and they're all going to die, and everything as we know it's going to be changed, and they're going to go to hell without an eternity with Jesus. It's the most important thing you will do in your life. Hear me, hear me. One of the most important things you will do in your life is to share the gospel with someone else and give them life. The gospel's unselfish. Every person in here, the word says, should be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks about your reason for hope. Everyone. Do you have an answer for your hope? Do you have an answer for your hope? Because that's where we start. We have to know what the answer is of why we have this hope. And there's some of us here that I'm sure that would say, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. That's okay. That's okay. Saying that I don't know how to share this hope with anybody is the beginning. But if we never admit where we are, we're never going to go forward. And the Holy Ghost can never help us. Amen. Just say, God, I need your help. I need to help rescue somebody, and I don't have a clue what to do. Sometimes I have a hard time swimming myself and keeping my own head above water. But, Lord, I ask you, while I'm in this river, almost drowning, but hanging on to the Holy Spirit, help me grab one, put him under my arm, and take him to the finish line. John 20, 21, and I'm going to close. says, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Proverbs 11.30, I think, says, a wise man wins souls. Amen. David, what's the opposite of wise? Stupid. stupid. Mom, David said it, I didn't. He's, I was repeating what he said. That's he said stupid. Him. He said stupid right there. Now, the Bible didn't, the Bible didn't say that, but it said a wise man wins souls. So the opposite is an unwise man. Very foolish. Very foolish. What I'm telling you is there's some things in heaven that matter and there's some things that don't. And none of this that you got right here is going with you. 
but everything you do in the spirit for apprehending something further than where you are now in this race we run matters. And what matters to Jesus has to matter to us. Stand to your feet. Now, tonight, normally on a Wednesday night, we don't do a lot of ministry time. But tonight, I'm going to ask you to identify why you won't go. Why you won't go. What stops you? Is it fear? Because I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of somebody saying, I don't want your Jesus. You're a freak. Get out of here. Okay. Okay. So you're afraid. Are you not eloquent in your speech and you don't know what to say and you need help learning what to say? Are you just sheer lazy? No passion, no fire. I ain't got nothing in me. I'm just getting to heaven by my own skin and my own teeth and I'm just glad to be there. That's a scary place to be. Very scary. But I'll pray with you. I will pray with you. Because I'm going to tell you that that's a place where when you can say that you just care about you, that's the pride of life. Lust of the flesh. And I'm telling you, there's three ways to sin and you're headed to right one of them. It might not be that that takes you, but it'll be something else. That's, that's a really cold gauge. Maybe you think you don't have time. Well, good thing God's not held by time. He's the author of time. So I'm sure he can make time and find time in your schedule for you to do that. But you got to trust him to do it. And you got to give him the opportunity to do it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask mom and dad to come up, Pastor Kylan, Sister Philip and Regina, and just make piles. We're going to make, this over here is going to be the spirit of fear. Whatever you're afraid of, we're going to break that spirit of fear off you tonight. And we're going to ask the Lord to help you work through your fear. Either fear of rejection, fear that you don't talk right, just fear to approach somebody because you don't know what to do. And I'm not saying you got to go knock on doors. This is not what I'm saying. But caring for someone outside enough to say, what's going on? Can I pray with you? Because I sense you're broke. I know you're going through a divorce. Can I pray? Come on. When you were a kid, you were bold as a lion. This group right here, no passion and no fire. I really don't care. And I want to care. I want what moves God's heart to move mine. And I want to be different, but I don't know where to start. And I just need this broke off me so tomorrow is a better day. And then over here, we're going to deal with time. I don't feel like I have enough time and my priorities are all out of whack and I need help. I need the Holy Spirit to help redirect my life and make room for what he wants me to do because I've packed my life so full, I don't know where to start. Look out, because life's about to change. God will make room if you let him. So if any of those are you tonight, Philip and Regina, take one. Mom and Dad, take one. Pastor Kylan, where's PK? 
PK, come on up here. You're going to take the middle section. We're going to talk for, pray for fire and passion. And if that's you, then I want you to grab your spot. If not, I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss you. I don't want to hold anybody late. Although you don't have school, and I'm sure a lot of you can stay up past 9 o'clock, if you know what I'm saying. And maybe you could stay around for someone else's. Oh, by the way, the church in the community sign-up sheet is out in the lobby if anyone would like to sign up. We would love to have you. We'll be here Saturday at 8.30, ready to go spread the gospel and a little bit of love in our community. And I would encourage you that maybe you're too far from Sydney and you can't go and that's your out. I got a box of door hangers that I'm willing to give you for your own city that you can get your own feet wet on, that you can go hit your own laundry mats in your city and pay for someone's laundry and say, Jesus loves you. Because I don't know about you, I have a washer and dryer and I'm grateful for it. But there's those who struggle and wane week after week because they can't afford one. Maybe they need something more. Maybe something more than just four quarters to let them know that Jesus loves them. All right? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And God, I, I knew what I had to deliver tonight was, was, was firm. But God, I ask you, Lord, let it resonate in the heart and mind of every believer here tonight. God, let it, let it alter their thinking. Let it change the way they live their life. Let it become their passion. God, let their heart be, begin to beat again for someone other than their own. God, do a work in this church. Wreck us from the inside out, God, that we could go wreck the world for you. Let this passion light like a fire and let it shoot out of this building that everyone could see the passion and the fire and the presence of the almighty God in our hearts and in this house. In the name of Jesus.